Amen. Welcome to step four of First Steps. Amen. So we are so thankful. We're glad that you're here for this final class in the series and uh, looking forward to what we have coming up. God's going to do some great things. And I hope that uh, you've enjoyed First Steps. I hope that it's taken you on a journey where you're, you are discovering your purpose. We also hope that, uh, that you've gotten connected to uh, some things that are helping you figure out your spiritual gifts, your God-given design, your calling, and your passion. So here, here's what I want for each of you. I hope that, uh, that we will find an area that we can serve in and find the true joy of living the life that you were created to live. I pray that, uh, that through this series in these next few days that you'll become involved in the life of the church, in the leadership team of the church, and today is a day when we can all become part of the dream team. So if you have finished all four lessons of first steps, then you can be part of the dream team. The dream team is uh, everybody that does anything, all of our staff and volunteers, and the dream team are the people that make the church go. It's the jobs that, uh, that many of you notice, and there's a lot of jobs that you probably don't know that happen on a regular basis, but everybody that does anything is part of the dream team. And so I hope that, uh, that, that we can go forward. And before we get into the notes, you can go to, if you have the app, you can be uh, navigating your way to step four on the first steps. Uh, portion of the Beth Church app. I believe the Wi-Fi network is open. In a few moments, they're going to come in. For those of you that don't have the app, uh, they're going to come in. They're, they have the papers that they're printing up, and they'll be here in just a few moments. So if you don't have the app and you want to follow along with the paper, you can do so. But before we get started on that, I have a word that I would like for you to think about, and that word is the word difference. The word difference. Tonight, in a lot of ways, is about the word difference. There's three statements that I want to talk to you about regarding the word difference. Number one, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. And I want you to say that with me. I want to make a difference. Now let's say it a little less enthusiastically. No, no let's say it more enthusiastically. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference between I, because I believe God has wired us, God has designed us to want to make a difference. I truly believe that everyone that really has the Holy Ghost, a truly spirit-filled person, wants to make a difference. I don't believe that somebody can have the Holy Ghost and be holy and not want to make a difference for somebody. And so God has wired us with the desire to make our life count for somebody's sake. As a church, as a church, we believe that we are here to serve others and to help people become disciples of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you'll never be happy until you're making a difference in somebody's life. There's not enough vacations, not enough money, cars, possessions. There's not enough relationships. There's not enough things on this earth that can satisfy your desire for what sociologists and psychologists call transcendence. Transcendence is that, that, that thing about our life, that it impacts somebody. It makes a difference. That's what the Bible says that, uh, that we were made for. I want you to look at 2 Timothy 1 and 9. I'm not sure if I gave this particular scripture to the, the folks in back or not, but 2 Timothy 1 and 9. Timothy, Paul was writing to Timothy and he was talking about how the Lord, and he says, who had saved us and called us. Everybody say that with me. Saved us and called us. He saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, 
which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So let's break this verse down a little bit. Let's break this verse down. We know that, uh, that, that he saved us and called us with a holy calling. But he said, not according to our works. It wasn't anything that I did. It wasn't anything that we did. I couldn't, I couldn't earn salvation. I couldn't deserve it. But here's why he saved us. Notice this, this, this phrase, according to his own purpose and grace. Now, I know that he saved me according to his grace. I know that I needed grace. Grace is God saw us lost, going to hell, without hope. And so he saved us by his grace. Thank the Lord they took pity and compassion on me when I was a sinner. Can I get an amen from somebody? But grace wasn't the only reason he saved you. The Bible didn't say that he saved us just according to his grace. The Bible said he saved us according to his purpose and grace. His purpose and grace. I know that God felt sorry for him because I was lost, so he came. But that's not the only reason he saved us. He didn't save us just for his grace. He saved us for his purpose. And then here's what Paul said, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before he made the world, before he made the world, he had a purpose for you. Is that what the Bible says? Does anybody see the verse up there? Anybody here? That's what he said, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He gave you a purpose before you were born. You were born for that purpose. You were made to do something for God. He had a purpose, so he made you. You are perfectly wired and designed by God to live your life in such a way that it impacts somebody's life. I want to make a difference. I was made to make a difference. Number two, I want to do something that makes a difference. Say that. I want to do something that makes a difference. You can't make a difference if you don't do something. There's no difference makers that are inactive. And so if you want to make a difference, then you have to do something to make a difference. How will I know if what I do makes a difference or not? And it centers around the word eternal. I want to do something that makes an eternal difference, not a temporary difference. In a culture that, uh, that everything is so temporary, that joy, you can be happy one moment and the next day miserable. You can be rich one day and lose it all in the market the next day. I want to have something eternal. I want to make a difference that makes an eternal difference. And it is a core belief of the culture of Bethlehem Church that we don't want to just go through the motions of having church three times a week, come and go, come and go, come and go, and just, and just go through the motions. We want our church to make an eternal difference in somebody's life. And for that to happen, we've got to do something that makes a difference. That's why... It's a joy to be part of the dream team. It's a joy to be part of the ministry of the church because we get to serve somewhere that makes a difference, an eternal difference in somebody's life. Whether it's on camera or in children's church, in a class, a parking lot, playing music, small group, uh, making coffee, cooking for, for life group, whatever the case may be, when you're serving in the kingdom, you're making an eternal difference in somebody's life. Amen. And so hopefully we understand this principle. Hopefully we understand that, uh, that there is the principle that I want to make a difference. And if I want to make a difference, I've got to do something that makes a difference. And number three, I want to do something that makes a difference with other people who want to make a difference. You are who you surround yourself with. The Bible said, can two walk together unless they be agreed? 
You are who you associate with. Jim Rohn, a famous uh, motivational speaker, said you are the average of the six people you spend the most time with. And so who I'm connected to makes a difference. And so I want to make a difference. To make a difference, I have to do something to make a difference. And I got to do it with other people that want to make a difference. This is important to God. God will develop you as an individual, but he will almost never use somebody all by themselves. God spent 40 years developing Moses in the wilderness, and then when he put him back in, he gave him, he gave him Aaron, he gave him Joshua, he gave him her, and then he, and then he realized we need more, so he gave captains of tens, hundreds, and, or fifties and hundreds. Because as, as much as God developed Moses, Moses couldn't make a difference by himself. If anybody is an example, Jesus Christ came. God manifest in flesh. And to make a difference, he found 12 people to work with. And so God may develop you by yourself a lot, but he'll never use you by yourself. A lot of our spiritual journey is just us and God. And when he finally gets us where he wants us to be, he wants to put us on a team and let us be used with other people to make a difference. That's why it's called the body of Christ. And we're all members of the body of Christ. Every one of us needs to be connected to a team. You see on these tables in front of the church, the teams that we have that you can be a part of. And hopefully... At the end of service, you'll find a team to become connected to. But everybody, every one of us needs to be connected to a team. You were saved not just for grace, but you were saved for purpose, for his grace and purpose. First steps designed to get you on a team. That's what these four weeks have been about, to get you to be part of a team, to get you involved in working in the kingdom of God, to find somewhere that you can can be a part of the dream team. Honestly, honestly, I think that being on a team is the best part because in your team is where you build relationships. They, they, the boys have some papers. If you need a handout, if you don't have the app and you need a handout, if you'll raise your hand, they'll get it to you quick. Is that what you guys are doing? So you are now. <laughs> if you don't have the app on your phone and you need a paper, raise your hand, they'll bring it to you. They'll, they'll raise your hand high so they can see it, and then they'll move quick because they're young and in shape and fast. But every one of us needs to be connected to a team. First Steps is designed to help you find what team you're made for. The personality assessment, the gift assessment, all of that is designed to help you find how you were designed by God. You, you can put your hands down for a minute till you see them come down your aisle, then put your hands up. I don't want anybody's arms falling off during lesson tonight. Your team is probably going to be the strongest relationships you have, the people you work with in the church. And so they're gonna be the people that help build you up when you need built up and that you're gonna be able to invest in. One is too small of a number to really make a difference. You cannot do it alone. We need to be part of a team. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So the Bible teaches us we need to be part of a team. The purpose of today's session is get down to some of the details around that word that we talked about, difference. What makes us different from other churches? I used to tell my girls that, uh, that, that we're not better than anyone else, but we're not like anyone else. Amen. And I'll tell you, Bethlehem Church, we're not better than anyone else, but we're not like anyone else. God has a unique gift and calling for us in our time, in our community, for this moment. And so there are some things about us that, that are different and that, that we believe God has given us a vision for. Let me read a verse to you, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, 
by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Here's what the Living Bible says. It says, I want there to be real harmony among you so there won't be any splits in the church and I plead with you to be of one mind united in thought and purpose. Be of the same mind. Paul said, I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. We need one mind, one mindset, one focus, one thought. That word thought there, it means a particular mode of thinking or feeling, but it comes down to these two words, purpose and desire. He said, I want you to be united in purpose and desire. We need, we've got a job to do. We've got a task to do. We've got people to reach. We've got something that God's called us to do, and we're running out of time to do it. And so we have to get our minds pulling in the right direction. We've got to be united. That word judgment as used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 it means, it means purpose or resolve. He said, I want you to have one purpose. And so our purpose is to be disciples and make disciples. I want to be a genuine biblical disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of him. I want to live for him. I want to serve him. And for me to do that, I also have to be involved in making disciples. Not everybody's a preacher, not everybody's a, a teacher, not everybody's a musician, not everybody's a singer, but everybody can do something to help the church make disciples. And that is our purpose. And so that's why we joined the dream team. As a member of the dream team, we embrace some values that are core to this church. I wanna talk about, about a few things that make us different. Number one, we are a spirit-filled church. We are a spirit-filled church. Romans 8 and 11, if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead is living in you or dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies, but by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We better be a spirit-filled church. If we're not a spirit-filled church, we're not gonna be a raptured church. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll say it again because it's the truth. If we're not a spirit-filled church, we're not going to be a raptured church because it's the spirit that's going to raise us up. And so we need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If we're a spirit-filled church, people will find freedom. Amen. I said if we're a spirit-filled church, people will find freedom. Amen. I, I had a great privilege today of attending a ceremony with Brother Kerry George. He's running a camera tonight. He's been in our church about a year and a half, got the Holy Ghost. He, uh, he stood in front of a whole room full of people today and was talking about how God's changed his life and how, how uh, he's been set free from addiction and how he got clean. And he told him, he told him straight up, he said, when I got baptized in Jesus' name, my life turned around. Amen. Thank God. He, he's running a camera, so I, and I, I would ask him for permission, but since he's busy, I'll just tell it anyway. He told me, he said, I've been to other churches. He said, I got baptized in other churches. I, I, I did, the, and, it, and it never changed me. He said, but when I came down here and got the Holy Ghost, it turned my life around. A spirit-filled church will help people find liberty. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so the Holy Spirit, the Bible uses the term Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit interchangeably. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is the word ruach, which means a wind or a breath. In Genesis 1 and 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That, that phrase, without form and void, it means it was in chaos. The world was in chaos and there was darkness and the Bible said the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. When there was chaos and darkness, the Spirit of God moved. And it began to bring order to the chaos and the darkness. 
And the very next thing that the Bible said is, is God said, let there be light. Two things happened when the world was in darkness and chaos. The Spirit of God moved and the Word of God. Amen. What we need in this day and hour is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God and Word of God coming in somebody's life will bring order to chaos and light to darkness. We need to be a Spirit-filled church. Amen. The New Testament word for spirit is the word pneuma. It also means a breath or a blast of air. You're familiar with the common sickness, pneumonia. That is when somebody, when, when they can't get their breath, they have trouble breathing. The, the spirit is the breath of the soul. When God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life, the Bible said he became a living soul. Not a living being, not a living animal, not a living man, but a living soul. Because when God breathes into somebody, the soul comes alive. And when the Holy Ghost comes in somebody, their soul comes alive. Amen. The, in John 6 and 63, it's the spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth means to make alive. It's the spirit that makes people alive. It's not shaking the preacher's hand. It's not signing a church roll. It's not taking the right hand of fellowship or, or repeating a sinner's prayer. All of that is man-made stuff. All of that is religion-made stuff. But the Bible said that it's the spirit that quickens. You know how you join the church? You get born of the spirit, born of the Holy Ghost. We don't join the church. We get born into the church. The spirit quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. Another version said it's the spirit that gives life. The Holy Ghost is our helper. Amen. The Holy Ghost is our helper. John 14 and 16, I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another comfort that he may abide with you forever. The word comforter there means helper. The Holy Ghost is our helper. He wants to help you in your life. He wants to help you be a disciple and make disciples. He wants to help you make a difference. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is our teacher. John 14 and 26, the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Amen. The Holy Ghost will teach you. If you'll let it talk to you and convict you and talk and, and lead you, the Holy Ghost will teach you how to serve in the kingdom of God. Amen. We embrace the supernatural. We believe that where the Spirit of God is, everything is possible. We believe supernatural things are possible in this church. We still believe in miracles. We believe in signs and wonders. We believe that God puts people's lives back together. We believe he can break the chains of addiction. He can break the chains of false doctrine. He can break the chains of sin. And he can give somebody victory. It's a supernatural move of the Spirit of God. Amen. We embrace the supernatural. We are a Bible-based church. If you, if you are here much at all, you understand we use a lot of Bible verses. I've used a bunch already tonight. Got a bunch more to go, so I got to hurry up. But we are a Bible-based church. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We believe in the Holy Bible. Amen. If the Bible says it's right, it doesn't matter. If Hollywood says it's not. And if the Bible says it's wrong, it doesn't matter what Hollywood or the politicians say, it's still wrong. We're a Bible-based church. Praise God. The Bible is authoritative. It's the Word of God. It's the final authority for determining all doctrinal truth. In its original writing, it's inspired, infallible, and inerrant. A vibrant relationship with God includes Bible study and prayer. We are a Bible-based church. Amen. We accept that God's Word is the highest authority in our life. If the Bible says it, it's right. We receive the Word with an open heart. Sometimes, sometimes... 
The word rubs us a little bit, don't it? Steps on our toes a little bit. Sometimes it shines a light into areas of our life that we don't necessarily want the light shined in. But if it's the Bible, we receive the word of God. And we receive it with an open heart. Psalms 119 and 64, the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me from your word, God. We respond to the word of God with obedience. It's not enough just to hear it. We have to respond to it. James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We're a Bible-based church. Amen. That means the whole Bible. We're an others-focused church. Say that with me, an others-focused church. Come on, say it again. We're an others-focused church. Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We cannot be spiritually selfish and be Christ-like at the same time. I didn't lose my place. I'm letting that settle in for a minute. We cannot be spiritually selfish and be Christ-like at the same time. It's not just about me. It's not just about my four and no more. I got to have an others-focused mentality. It's been said that the only institution that exists for the benefit of its non-members is the church. And we embrace that. We're here on a mission. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to be coddled. We're not here to be pampered and babied. We're here on a mission to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be disciples and to make disciples. Everything we do is geared towards getting as many lost people saved as possible. It's got to be in our DNA. It's got to be in the fiber of who we are as a Christian. We can't be spirit-filled and be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not care about other people. Amen. We should strive for as many as we can as fast as we can. We are a vision-driven church. We want to love God. We want to grow in faith. We want to serve others, and we want to go change our world. Say that with me. Let's say love, grow, serve, and go. Let's say it again. Love, grow, serve, and go. We want to love God. One of the ways we love God is by coming to church and worshiping him. We want to grow in our faith. We want to join a life group. We want to join grow class. We want to be involved. We want to come to Bible class. I want to love God. I want to grow in faith. I want to serve others. I got to get involved on a team that makes a difference. And I got to go change the world. That means I got to get involved. I want to make a difference. To make a difference, I got to do something that makes a difference. And I got to do it with other people that want to make a difference. Number five, we're a giving church. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is the ultimate demonstration of God's generosity towards mankind. The Bible consistently teaches us that God blesses us so we can bless others. At Bethlehem Church, we have three areas of giving. Number one, we give of our time. We give of our time. Ephesians 5 says, See then that you walk circumspectly. That that word circumspectly means to be looking all around, not just focus one direction, but looking all around. We walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We got to give of our time. My time's not meant to be only spent with a fishing pole or a hunting rifle or, or a ball of some kind. My time is an investment in the kingdom of God. I give my time. I got to redeem my time because the days are evil. The world's not getting better. And so I've got to invest time in what God wants me to do. Number two, we give of our talent. Everybody say talent. The Bible says that a spiritual gift has been given 
to everyone so we can profit with all. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. God has given everybody a talent, an ability, something that you can do for the kingdom of God. You don't have to be a great singer to be involved. You don't have to be a great musician to be involved. You don't have to be a great preacher to be involved, but you gotta be involved because God's given everybody to every man. He's given a manifestation of the spirit. And so we give our time, we give our talent, and we give of our treasure. Romans 12 and eight in the NLT says, if your gift is giving, give generously. Jesus gave his church a mandate to reach the world around them in three areas. Look at Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But what's that power for? Is that so I can be awesome? Is that so I can be, so I can be great and I can do all kinds of spiritual great stuff and, and, and get pat on the back for how great I am? No, that's not why he gave us the Holy Ghost. He said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But what's that power supposed to help me do? You shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth, the reason that God puts power on the Christian is so the non-Christian can see the benefit of being a Christian. Praise God. Is that what this verse is saying? You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be. Now, now, now those, I want you to, to, to look at those four words. Man, I, uh, Brother Tim Cox gave me, I said the other day, I wish I had one of those laser, laser pointers and he brought me one. It's in my office. I wish I had it right now. Because if I did, I would, I would shine it on those four words after the colon, and ye shall be. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, you shall be. And if you're not, then you need to go back and get more of that first part, the Holy Ghost. How many want me to go back to somewhere else? That's what the Bible says. You get the Holy Ghost, you shall be a witness. If we're not being a witness, we need more Holy Ghost. Praise God. That's a biblical doctrine I'm preaching right now. I know, I know we like to be, I, I know that, that the modern American church, it's all about them. If it's not my song, it's not my this, it's not my that, then I'm not going to get involved because it's all about me. That is the sinful nature of the modern culture that has seeped into the American so-called Christian church. But the real Christian church gets the Holy Ghost and immediately becomes about reaching somebody else. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the world. In Jerusalem, Jerusalem was their city. That's where they were at. That was their, the, the primary area. And so when we give, we give to reach our city, to have our church and our community. And then it says that they, did, they, they were witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That was the surrounding area, their nation, the other places around them. 1 Corinthians 9 and 12, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. The primary way we reach our nation is by giving to, uh, to starting new churches and strengthening churches. On my desk right now, and I should have brought them in here, but on my desk right now, I have uh, pledge cards for, for Brother Fallon's church, the young man that was here with his, with his family back a few weeks ago, Brother Fallon from Cleveland, Tennessee. And if you want to partner with them to reach our world, to reach our nation, that's home missions. We give to help other churches. That's one of the things about the church in Starkville. The church in Starkville turned seven years old this month. They're in the middle of a building program, building their own building. We haven't had to support them. After the first nine months, we helped them with their rent one time. They're doing great, but we started that church because we felt a vision, a burden to start a church. Amen. And so when we give, when we give, part of our money goes to start these churches. And then 
the Bible said they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost or to the ends of the earth, our world. I just got back yesterday from the city of Rome. We have a brand new church in the city of Rome. Two years ago, a man and his wife and daughter, uh, they, he quit his job and moved to, to Rome. He was, he was in another, he's Italian, he was from another city in Italy, and he felt a burden to go start a church, so he uprooted his, his daughter, then 15-year-old daughter, and his wife, and they moved to Rome. And a city of five million people that, uh, that, that, that got the message in the book of Acts, in the, they got the message of Jesus named baptism and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it's a city wholly given over to idolatry. But this man and his wife went and started a church, and I had the privilege of ordaining him into the ministry and installing him as the pastor of the church in Rome this weekend. God is going to build a great church there, and your giving helps do that. Amen. Your giving helps do that. Uh, we, we do a lot of work. We give to missions, and you all are so faithful. But the Bible said in Mark 16 and 15, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so we are a giving church. Number six, we're a joyful church. We believe in being joyful. Amen. We believe in being joyful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, Psalms 100. All ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Here's a secret to having joy. Let me give you a secret to having joy. Here's a secret. Every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. It's hard to have joy if you're a consumer and not a giver. Every member is a minister. Every task is important. Every member is a 10 in some area. I remember I was teaching this lesson in uh, back, it's been over a year ago, and uh, I was teaching this lesson, and I, and I hit this point. Every member is a minister. Everybody's a greeter. It's everybody in the church's job to welcome new people and to shake hands and get to know them and, and, and build relationships. It's everybody's job in the church. Can I get an amen? amen? It's everybody's job. And so I remember teaching that in one of our brand new converts that was in, in, in that class. I was in my office, and just in case you're wondering, I hear everything that happens in that hallway. <laughs> that door is, doesn't stop sounding. I think it's a speaker. It propels it. And, uh, and, and this lady that was in, in the, that class where I said, everybody's a minister and everybody's a greeter and it's our job to greet everybody. Well, she was brand new. She didn't know that, that some people had been here for 60 years. I heard her in the hallway, everybody that came by, she introduced herself and said, welcome to Bethlehem Church. I heard her introduce herself to like five people in that hallway. Amen. That's what all of us ought to be doing. Every member is a minister. Every task is important. Every task is important. Every single person is a 10 in some area. Everybody has something that you can do. Let me talk for a few minutes. I'm, I need to hurry, but let me talk for a few minutes about some of our core values as a church. And, and, and stepping straight from, the, from what I just said into this first value, we value connecting with new people. We value connecting with new people. We prioritize connecting with new people. We are all greeters. People matter to God, so they matter to us. I, I, I know some of you guys that, that are in, in ministry that have preached other places. There's nothing more uncomfortable than to be the guest preacher at a church. And when you walk in, nobody says hello, nobody shakes your hand. Nobody greets you. They just look at you like, what are you doing here? And then after church is over, everybody goes about their business and you just stand there by yourself. I preached for a guy three years in a row. He had me come three years in a row. He never talked to me. He always, it was always his other ministers. I'm like, dude, why are you even having me come? But I, 
I still don't know why he had me come, to be honest with you. It's uncomfortable to go into a place where you don't really know anybody. And everybody has their own conversations. And everybody has their own, their own little cliques and their own little groups. And, and you're, we're soaking, you know, you have two or three brand new young people, but all the young people are such close friends, they just talk to each other. And you have family members of, of, and, and friends that you see at church, and there's people who don't know anybody, but we spend, the, we spend time talking to our buddies first. We value connecting with new people. Brother Tim Wilson, you are a quiet Pentecostal, maybe one of the quietest Pentecostals I've ever known. But you know what? I thank you. Because I don't think there's a guest that comes to this church that you don't shake their hand and introduce yourself. Thank you. You can build a church with that kind of connection. We value connecting with new people. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We must be others-focused people. Another version of it says it this way, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you on the interests of others. Number two, we value relationships. We do life together. We do life together. I have learned in the times that, I've, that, that we've struggled and suffered, whether it's losing a parent, or a sibling, or sickness, that the most valuable relationships I have are the people in this room. I've learned it over and over in life. We build relationships with each other. Real life change happens and real leaders are developed when we take a step towards intentionally building relationships. Not to see how quick I can get in and out without having to talk to anybody, but building relationships with people. Philippians, I, I'm, I'm going. Philippians 1, 3 through 5, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That word fellowship means association or sharing. He said, I thank God that I get to share in this with you. I'm gonna tell you what, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I get to do this with you all. I, I mentioned my trip to Rome. What, they're doing a great work. They, got a, they, got a, a, they, they can only sit about 20 people in their sanctuary at a time. They have passed out over, just, just the pastor and his daughter and, and wife have passed out over 50,000 flyers in that community. Hours and hours, week after week after week. Just, no young, just one young person in the whole church. Man, look what we get to do with each other. Thank God that we get to do this with each other. Get to have somebody to be with. We value these relationships. Number three, we value honor. We value honor. We're a people of purpose. And because we have a purpose and we work together on purpose, we make deliberate decisions to honor one another, to empower one another. We don't elevate ourselves above any other member. 1 Peter 2 and 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We value one another. We ought to not be people known for gossip and backbiting and talking about somebody. If somebody's having a struggle, it's an opportunity to pray, not discuss. We honor one another. Treat somebody in their struggle how you would hope they would treat you or your child in the same struggle. 
we treat each other with honor. Number four, we value celebration. We believe in celebrating wins. We're thankful when our brothers and sisters are blessed. We don't get envious or jealous. We want you to be blessed. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice in it. There's, we, we need to be thankful. The same God. I, I hope that God blesses you all. Man, I hope God blesses you all. Because the same God that can bless you can bless me. And so we value celebration. There's nothing more powerful than a life that's changed by Jesus Christ. And we get to be a part of that every single week. Luke 15 and 10, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Amen. If heaven rejoices over one sinner, we rejoice, don't we? Talking about difference. These are the values that we have as a church. These are the things that matter to us. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Do I have any difference makers here? Amen. See you Sunday morning, 945. 8.45. 8.45. I'll put a little plug in for difference makers. 8.45 Sunday morning. We have a time, we have a, a light meal together. We talk about what God's gonna do during the day, the, the direction, the, the message that we feel, some things that we have on our heart and the schedule, and it gives us a good chance to start our day. I would say that the people that come to uh, Difference Makers find that it makes it a lot easier to focus during the whole day. They're kind of on, uh, it's, it's an opportunity to be on the same page. Am I, am I, with my people that come to Difference Makers, can I get an amen? So I want to make a difference, but I can't make a difference if I don't do something. And so I want to make a difference. Say that with me. I want to make a difference. I want to do something that makes a difference. And I want to do it with people that want to make a difference. Brother Austin, come on. Amen. Brother Austin, you've done a great job the last couple of Wednesdays you and Sister Elizabeth with these assessments and all that. That, that. that stuff is so detailed, it drives me out of my mind. They love it. That's where I do the first one and the last one, and they do two and three. Amen. He's going to help us with a little bit of direction as we close tonight. Thank you for being part of First Steps. Can I, can I get you to do me a favor? When you bring somebody to church, when you bring a new person to church, or if you have somebody that, that moves to the area and starts coming to church here, make it part of your habit to get them into first steps. It gives us a real good chance to connect and to help them get pointed in the right direction. Give Brother Austin a good hand as he comes to help us close this out. Amen. Let's give Brother V a hand for teaching us tonight. What a great word we heard tonight. Amen. Um, if all my leaders, you know who you are, if all my leaders can make their way up and get behind these tables. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do something pretty quickly, hopefully. Um, so as all the team leaders are assembling at these tables, you'll see at the tables there are signs and there are sign-up sheets. So last week at the end of the lesson, we had you fill out a dream team interest sheet. Does anybody remember that? Tonight you are actually going to sign up and join the teams you're interested in. Tonight is the night you get to join the dream team. Somebody say, woohoo! Amen. So if you can't remember what teams you liked uh, or you were interested in, you can review the dream team document that's on the app on the First Steps tab. Um, the leader here, or representative, some of them are leaders, some of them are representatives for the team, um, but they will be there to assist you as you choose to sign up for their team and help you get involved immediately. Our goal for tonight is that you would get signed up and immediately be involved, immediately be on the team from this point forward. Some of you may need some training, some of you may need some, some uh, knowledge, some assistance, but our goal is that you 
when you leave this place tonight, you are on a team so you can begin to serve and make a difference. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you need any help, uh, uh, needing to know what team to join, walk around, ask the different leaders how uh, you, you might can help them and help get involved in their team and whatever fits your personality, whatever fits your spiritual gifts, you want to be aiming towards that. Um, if you have any questions, the leader or representative at the table should be able to assist you. Um, why don't we all stand? Just to give you a brief overview so you don't have to go find it on the app. We have the A team, which is administration. We have the armor bearer team. We have Be Free. We have the bereavement ministry, Bethlehem Kids, Bethlehem Youth, Bible Study Team, Cleaning Team, Community Outreach, Connections Team, Construction and Maintenance, Creative Team, that would be Photography and Graphic Design, um, Events Team, First Impressions Team, which would be your greeters, your parking lot, uh, First Responders, First Steps Team, Lawn Care and Landscaping, Life Groups, parking team, prayer team, production team, quality control, security team, social media and online ministry, ushers, and worship arts, which is anything up here on the platform. So you've heard the list. You can start making your way up uh, to, the, to the tables now. Find your place and start signing up. If you have any questions, the leaders can help you. Please, please don't leave here without signing up for at least one team. Even if you haven't been at all three steps, I mean all four steps, you can still sign up tonight. Just be sure that you join First Steps next month in the, in the uh, S&P Wilson Center.